We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack a Day podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. My name is Mike Wendland. I'm joined today by Gage Bridgeford, and it is week three game day for the Packers. They're in New Orleans taking on the Saints in the Superdome, and despite they're not being fans, they did uh, kind of relax the crowd noise limits as far as how they can pump in the sound, but it won't be the same atmosphere as expected. It will help the Packers' offense not to not have that uh, boisterous crowd in New Orleans. But that being said, there is a lot to think about with this game as far as injuries go, as far as matchups go, and this will still be a tough test for the Packers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, Rodgers uh, in the first two weeks of the season has uh, just really just, like, at home and on the road, he was getting free plays nonstop, so it was uh, it was fun to see, and I think that that'll be a big help down there in New Orleans, which New Orleans one of the rowdiest crowds in football, uh, and I think that this, uh, like, the lack of fans is going to be a big benefit for Green Bay, no doubt. There's no doubt about that, and of course, injuries are playing a part, but before we hop into our main discussion, don't forget to check us out on wherever you can find your podcast, at Packaday Podcasts, but also, quick take a look as well at the other matchups in the NFC North. I mean, there's going to be some tough ones throughout the rest of the division. The Vikings got to face the Titans, the Bears, then the Falcons, and the Lions in Arizona. So I guess, Gage, looking at especially Minnesota and Detroit, 
both at 0-2, both really struggling, and they both have some tough competition in the Titans and Cardinals. Can either of those teams get in the win column this week, do you think? No, uh, I don't think Detroit's good. Um, I think that their offense has got talent. I think Kenny G is possible to play this week, but he was so questionable last night. Looked, uh, but this that defense just can't slow down Arizona. Like they gave up a ton of points to Arizona last year, and I think that Detroit's defense has gotten worse, and Arizona's offense has gotten better. Obviously, with the addition of New Hopkins, um, Andy Isabella started to get better. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald's still quality player. Kenny Drake is. Uh, a, a good running back, not great, but he's a good, good running back. Uh, for Minnesota, Minnesota's bad. I have said it all off season. Um, I am not impressed by anything they do. Kirk Cousins is an overpaid quarterback. Um, Dalvin Cook can't get anything going. This offensive line continues to look bad. They This offensive line is not good. Everyone thought, oh, second year they'll develop. No, they're not going to develop. There's not the pieces here aren't very good. And didn't Brian O'Neill just go on IR as well? It was either Brian O'Neill or Pat Elfland. One of, it was one of their interior guys is on IR now. This uh, this interior offensive line is not good. So right now on that Tennessee-Minnesota game, Tennessee's favored by two and a half, roughly, depending on where you're looking. On the road, I'm taking that all day long because Mike Hughes, Cam Dantzler, both out for this game. Even though A.J. Brown is out, I have no no faith in Minnesota, and they have given you no reason to think that you should have faith. Other than that second-half garbage, like all those garbage points against Green Bay, what has this offense done? Like, if you take the first half of the Green Bay game and then the entirety of last week, what has this Minnesota offense done to tell you, yeah, they can hang? Nothing. So, no, I think both those teams go to 0-3 this week. I tend to agree with you, but then the other game, you have the 2-0 and Chicago Bears, and that's 2-0 and in a way because it's not high-quality competition, but they get to deal with the team that has still not gotten over 28-3 to in Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta, of course, the almost Saturday Night Live-esque onside kick last week against Dallas that I'm still trying to figure out how that happened. They're trying to bounce back at home against the Fighting Trubiskys. Someone's got to give. Who takes that one? I I think the Falcons win. I like Chicago. Uh, I think Chicago's better than they get credit for. Um, I think if they can fi- if they can man if they can play game management really well, um, have Trubisky just take care of the ball, just move, take have long sustained drives. I think that they can slow this Atlanta offense down because their defense is good. This defense has got a lot of talent. Um, Atlanta's still dealing with injuries to their offensive line. I think Jake Matthews is going to play, but uh, the right tackle uh, is it Luke Jokel, I believe. Is I think Caleb McGarry. I think I believe he's out for this week, so um, that'll be a big matchup to watch because Matt Ryan's not the most mobile guy. Um, Julio Jones, I believe, is trending towards out. He's a game time decision officially, but uh, he is he's not looked good. I don't believe he's practiced at all this week. So Russell Gage and uh, Calvin really have to step up in a big way there. Um, I think that Chicago can win this game. I think they can. It's just a matter of, like, can they – they just have to put together a full game. Like last week against Detroit and in week one against – week one – or no. Week one against Detroit, last week against New York, they played two halves of games. They haven't played a full game. Like in week one, they didn't do anything for the first half. Then they stormed back in the second half. And last week it was – they came out hot. 
but then they finish slow. So if they can play a complete game against Atlanta, I think they can beat them because they know they have the recipe to slow this team down and just keep them on the sidelines as much as possible. Well, then with that being said, taking a look at a couple of those games, just I want to know what your opinion on this. If, uh, if Detroit gets dismantled by Arizona and if Atlanta loses by a hefty margin against Chicago, will we be looking at two coaching openings by before October? Um, I don't think so. Uh, like Patricia, I mean Patricia should be gone. He's the second worst coach in the NFL, but he, I don't think they'll move on from him right away. Uh, and then Dan Quinn, I don't think it, regarding that game. Now, if there's a blowout, Chicago win, it's a different story. I don't think it's going to be that. I think if Chicago wins it, it's a grinded out game. Um, they keep the scoring total low. Uh, like I don't think they're going to win a shootout. I just don't. Um, Matt Patricia should be gone. Matt Patricia is not a good coach. His whole thing is defense, and he's not. And he had and his defenses are bad. It's the whole oh well, he's got to have this this system or the players to fit the scheme. No, you you had a, a cornerback one. You've had all these good pieces, and you just continue to add your stuff to it, and it's not getting better. Like he's got all of his guys. That's his whole thing. Was he had to get his guys. He's got his guys and. Their defense is still terrible. So I think Detroit, I think Patricia should be gone, but I think he's gone in like mid to late October or early November, if anything. And Dan Quinn, I think, sticks around because I don't think it's going to be a big loss. I think it's going to be, if, if they lose, I think it's going to be a close game there. So that's so I don't think Dan Quinn's leaving. The, the coach that really needs to be on the hot seat is Adam Gase, worst coach in football. If you disagree here, go watch a Jets game, and you will understand that he is the worst coach in football. Yeah, I think so, agree, but I also would raise the question of Bill O'Brien. But Gase is definitely – Gase is a good coordinator, a terrible head coach. I don't think Gase is a good coordinator. He coasted on – Jay Cutler? Pey- Peyton Manning. He coasted on Peyton Manning. And that deep, And other than that, he's never done anything that good for me, like in my opinion. I just – I've never seen him do anything supremely talented. Other than that, um, his – Ability to lead is just questionable at best. This guy consistently calls out players, picks fights with his star players. Uh, is he is no he has no ability to confront any player in the locker room. He's willing to let his position coaches and his coordinators do that because he can't have confrontation. Uh, I just I think he's a terrible coach. I don't think he should have gotten. He was like the fourth choice for the Jets job, and he only got it because no one wanted to work under that ownership and management group. So. Yeah, I don't think Gase is good. He should be gone. Uh, they're 11.5-point dogs to Indy this week, and if Indy had, like, Philip Rivers in his prime, I think that this would be closer to 14 or 15 points. So I just think this Jets team's bad, and so is Gase. Fair enough. So that being said, let's move on to the game at hand. Packers and Saints, Sunday night football from the Superdome. Injuries are prevalent on both teams, but really only a few guys have been ruled out. Uh, no one for the Packers yet, but for the Saints, Chase Hansen and Michael Thomas have both been confirmed not to play. Of course, Thomas, a big one. But looking at New Orleans, their defensive line is mostly questionable. Marcus Davenport with an elbow, David Onyemata, as well as Trey Hendrickson, all questionable with lower with the, la- the latter two with lower body injuries. So those are something to keep an eye on. Ty Montgomery questionable as well with his hamstring because he's a former Packer. Of course, it'll be a hamstring injury. So... Uh, there's been all the talk of Aaron Jones. Jamal Williams obviously off to a great start as well. How important is going to be that Packers offensive line and running game if New Orleans is hobbled on the defensive line like they look like they might be? 
I think the offensive line is going to be huge regardless. Like, even if, like, like if New Orleans at a disadvantage because of health, then the offensive line needs to go out, punch him in the mouth, and really dominate the trenches early on. But, like, if they're at full health, you have to keep Rodgers clean, and you have to give your running backs room to work. This offensive line has played extremely well through two weeks despite numerous injuries to Lane Taylor. Elton, well, Elton Jenkins popped up on the injury report this week. Billy Turner. We got Ricky Wagner. Corey Lindsley left last week, but he's going to play because he was a full participant in practice all week long. This offensive line has play, played really well. Rodgers has gotten stacked, what, once in two weeks? Or knocked down once in two Just weeks? He stacked once. Stacked once in two weeks. I think that this offensive line is one of the better groups in football. They're not going to get the name recognition. They're not going to get the high praise that uh, Dallas does when they're at full health or Indy has gotten in the past couple of years, which, don't get me wrong, Indy has developed one of the best offensive line rooms in football. I'm a big fan of what they're doing there. But this Green Bay group, is it's working. Everything's clicking well. And I think that this is going to be their first big test. The Saints have a really good defensive front. Like, yeah, they're missing Davenport, Hendrickson, and Anumata. It's a different story because that obviously stats them of a lot of talent, but I think that there's still a lot of talent still in this room. Uh, I think the one that matters the most, or that could be the most interesting to watch, is Hendrickson and Anyamata. Like, Anyamata popped up with a calf injury on Friday. He wasn't on the injury report either t- the other two days, and we all know how soft injuries can just take one wrong step and you can be out for the day. Like, I, I pulled a back muscle yesterday, and I've been worn out all morning because of it. Henderson, groin injury, groin injuries are nothing to joke with. They can slow you down. Kenny Clark's been, been dealing with a groin injury since week one. He's a limited participant. He's expected to play tomorrow, but is there, there's no guarantee, and it only takes one misstep to really slow you down. So if Hendrickson and Animata start, there's no guarantee they finish the game just because they could tweak it in the first quarter, first first drive even, and be out for the rest of the day. So I think the offensive line is going to be huge for the running game, but also just the ability to pick apart this like this passing defense that uh, New Orleans has. Well, and even on the other side, looking at New Orleans, he's not on the injury report, but he was limited all week, and that's Taron Armstead, their left tackle. Uh, he, he's got a groin injury. So, again, like you talk about, those, those types of injuries can react, and New Orleans has arguably the best tackle duel in the NFL with Armstead and Ramchek. If one of them goes out, Zedaria Smith has this game circled. So you know there's going to be – he's going to be going full on. Rashawn Gary's looked great. But how is that going to affect Alvin Kamara, and how how do you think that's going to – all the Packers to slow him down and make Drew Brees have to throw past more than 15 feet in the air. So with Teron Armstead, if he misses or if he leaves the game early, it's going to be really interesting. This this uh, New Orleans group has a lot of depth on their offensive line on the interior, not so much on the like not so much on the outsides, especially after uh, like letting Larry Warford go. Like if they still had Warford, they could put him in and then they could move guys around to the outside, but. It's like you said, Armstead Ramchek, one of the, if not the best tackle duo in football. Ramchek is the best right tackle in football. Armstead is probably top, what did you say, probably top five left tackle? Yeah, I'd say top five. Okay, so top five left tackle, and then the best right tackle in football. Uh, and, like, if you lose Armstead, that's going to be, like, Ethan Greenidge is the number two there. And he's the number two at both tackle spots, so he's a swing tackle. So if either one of those guys gets hurt, that's your backup plan is one guy at, at either spot. And Z has the ability to bowl over anybody, anybody you put in front of him, even the best tackles. He just he is 
super talented. He's really developed, and he's really gotten to show off his skill set over the last two years. Um, so I think that if Gary can get going with his speed and if they could really throw some exotic looks and really rush Breeze, because I – we talked about it right before we got started. Breeze just looked bad on Monday night. Like, it's not even like he was – it's not even like the defense was doing anything fancy. He just didn't look good. Half, like, I think half of his completions were, like, little dump-offs to Alvin Kamara and Jared Cook right at the line of scrimmage. Josh Hill got a number of catches because he operates close. That's why him and Michael Thomas are such a good duo. Why? Because they work so close to the line of scrimmage. Down the field, just Breeze doesn't have the doesn't have the power to force the ball down there anymore. I don't I don't know what happened. Like I don't know if it's just he's gotten that old and his shoulder just can't make those throws anymore. But just it looked bad, man. No, I'm with you. But the, so let's talk about the other main injury with the Packers, and that's Devontae Adams. Obviously, Adams uh, from all the stuff we've learned throughout. We're recording this on Saturday. Not likely to play. Uh, they're going to keep him safe with that with that hamstring injury. That leaves three receivers on the active roster. You got MVS, you've got Malik Taylor, and you end up getting, and you've got Alan Lazard. Lazard will be the number one going in. The Packers do have two receivers on their practice squad with Robert Foster and Darius Shepard. Uh, you got to expect one, if not both of them, to be up. But the Packers aren't going to be running a ton of four or five wide receiver sets. If anything, it'd be just for special teams. But what do you see the Packers doing at receiver? Um, I think that they call it Foster. Foster's a talented player, uh, shows some flashes in uh, Buffalo, just kind of got, he kind of got phased out with talented guys like John Brown. Uh, Cole Beasley is a slot guy. Obviously, Stephon Diggs is there now. Um, I think Foster gets called up, but I do, I do agree with you. I think they run a lot of three receiver sets. Uh, I think that the fourth guy would mostly be for special team stuff. Um, I think Lazard, Lazard against Marshawn Lattimore is going to be an interesting matchup because Lattimore is a talented young corner, going to be getting an extension in the next six months to the next six to eight months. Um, and if New Orleans doesn't extend it, that's a big mistake. Uh, MVS has showed some flashes early on. If he can just catch the ball, that's all he's got to do. If he can just catch the ball with consistency, he is showing the flashes, the ability to make plays. And then I think with those receivers, like Malik Taylor is going to catch them, going to catch more balls than he normally does. But Lazard and MBS are definitely going to be the top two. I think we could see a big game out of the tight ends, like Big Bob, uh, Mercedes, Jace. If Jace can just catch the ball before he starts running, that's all he's got to do. He had a couple open last ones, a couple open ones in last week's game that he just, if he just catches it, he's got plenty of room to run. He's a huge athlete. And Rodgers went to him after he dropped one ball. Rodgers is showing – this is something I've noticed this year just through two weeks. Rodgers isn't afraid to go back to a guy that's dropped the ball. That's something that we've noticed in years past. Like, if you drop it, Rodgers is like, okay, well, I'm going to just not throw to that guy for the rest of the game, and I'm just going to throw to guys that I know aren't going to drop the ball. And he's going to MBS over and over. He threw to Jace right after a drop last week. So with Adams out, he's going to have to show trust in these young receivers – and I think that those top three go. Foster comes up. I don't know, like, how much he plays other than on special teams. Uh, but I think the tight ends have a chance to have a big game because, obviously, we already mentioned Chase Hansen is out. Uh, Demario Davis is great, but the linebacker's the biggest weakness on this uh, New Orleans defense, and it's not particularly close. Like, so I think that the linebacker, or the tight ends could have a big week here as a result of that. No, I'm with you, and I think, 
I would also add the running backs. I think Jones and Williams could have big games receiving as well. Going against these linebackers, I think that's going to be a big thing. But I do think I think Foster will be up. And it, it was good to see Jay Sternberger have some humor about how last week went. He, he he admitted that he was building he was building a wall with all the bricks he had in his hands, stuff like that. Like it's good to see that he's willing to understand and 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 realize what he has to improve on. And I think there's a chance that he could really uh, step up, make some plays this week as well. So that being said, Gage, if the Packers win, it'll be because of what? Uh, Drew Brees continues to look as bad as he did. This defense is built to suffocate bad passers. Like, against Kirk Cousins, they just wiped him off the map. They wiped him off the field. He was gone. Did not exist until they said, you know what, we're up by enough. We'll go ahead and we'll let you throw the ball around, just not let you squirt more than we have. So I think that... If they can just keep Drew, obviously Breeze is going to break contain. He's not. He's never going to run. Just keep him in the pocket, work the pocket back into him, get pressure up the middle, like really push into his lap. So I think that uh, stunts with uh, Z, Gary, uh, maybe some Dean Lowry uh, action, pushing up in the middle, because those tackles are still really good. If that Armstead plays, he's, he's great. And if you can really push the pocket into Breeze's lap, it's going to force him to throw but it's also not going to allow him to step into it. And as we've seen, he doesn't necessarily have the arm strength to make those just raw, I'm just going to sling it because I have to. He's really got to step into throws. So if the, so these corners can stay with any of these receivers. None of these receivers scare me. Like Deontay Harris is fast, but he's not really a pure receiver. He's more of a like Trinidad Holiday return gadget type player. Uh, so just, just stay on your assignments on defense and – they're, you're going to win this game. Like, Alvin Kamara is great, one of the best running backs in football. Uh, Christian Kirksey has to stay tight to him uh, and not just let him break big plays. Like, he's going to catch probably eight or nine balls on some, like tonight just because he's going to get 15 targets because Breeze has no one else to throw to. The key is minimizing his big play opportunities. When you get to him, wrap him up. Don't let him shake you. Don't, don't just go for a big hit. you got to wrap him up and take him down. Like just, if he get, if he gets ten catches, that's fine. Just make sure it's ten catches for short yards, not ten catches and a lot and a lot of yards afterwards. I'm going kind of a similar direction. I see the Packers win if the Packers running backs have 150 combined scrimmage yards. If Williams and Jones get going, not only is that going to get some gash plays on that New Orleans defense, which like I said is pretty weak in the middle, especially at linebacker, that also means they're controlling the clock. And we, we saw the possession numbers they had against Minnesota. That was, in, that, was, that was absurd, their time of possession numbers. If they can control that, control that, keep Kamara off the field. He's obviously their big weapon. Don't let him get going. Don't let him move the chains instantly and keep him on the sidelines. That also negates Sean Payton, who's the offensive mind on that team. So if you can make that defense work, make Kamara have to sit, that's only going to help the Packers' offense help and help their defense stay fresh. So if they can get some good yardage, consistent yards per carry, yards per catch from Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, maybe a little bit of A.J. Dillon as well, I think they win this game pretty handily as well. But on the other Actually, hand, one quick thing I wanted to mention. It, in terms of the time of possession thing, I strongly agree. Uh, the time of possession, I, I was sitting there Googling that while you were uh, talking from the Raiders' win over New Orleans – Raiders held the ball for 36 minutes versus 23, like 36-18 versus 23-42 for New Orleans. They kept Drew Brees on the sideline. They had fewer passing yards. They had fewer total yards. 
they, but they ran 19 more plays, had the same amount of drives, had the same, but they kept long, sustained drives. They converted a lot of third downs. Like They went 10 for 17 on third down versus 7 for 11 for New Orleans. Combine that with the 10 penalties for 129 yards that New Orleans has. So New Orleans is really, really uh, undisciplined in that aspect. Like Janoris Jenkins didn't cost them the game. I want that to be clear. But that that pass interference penalty he had on that final Raiders drive was just boneheaded. He did not need to commit that penalty. That was a terrible play, and that gave put Raiders in field goal position to salt the game away. So, like you said, keep control of the ball. Uh, like if Aaron Jones and this Green Bay offense just can dink and dunk their way down the field and just knock off ten minutes every single drive, Saints are going to be. In a, in a rough, rough way. Go ahead. Absolutely. So, on the other side, I'll go to you this one. If the Packers were to lose, what would be the reason? Um, I want to make one quick note. The Packers are promoting veteran defensive tackle Billy Wynn from the practice squad for tomorrow's game versus the Saints. Important defensive line depth with Kenny Clark questionable to play. That was from uh, Field Yates of ESPN. So, and that's uh, this will be Wynn's first game since 2016. Be, there's, so there's one practice squad edition that we know yes. for sure. Uh, I just wanted to get that out there while I saw it. Um, if they lose, it's going to be because Alvin Kamara has a big game and Drew Brees turns back the clock. Uh, Kamara led the team last week in running, in rushing yards and in receiving yards. Um, he is their best player. He is what's going to make this off. He's going to make. He's going to be what makes this offense go. Like. Actually, you know what? I'm taking that back. Alvin Kamara can have a big game. What's really going to be the difference is the offensive line. If the Saints end up getting all of their pass rushers healthy and they're able to get pressure on Rodgers and he and Al Lazard can't get open quick enough and MBS can't get open quick enough and he just doesn't have anybody to get the ball to, that's going to be a problem. Rodgers has been largely clean through two weeks, uh, but if – New Orleans is able to move him off his spots, and he's not able to find guys, and he's not able, and he like can't get a play extended up enough. That's what's going to be the difference between a win and a loss here, because this defensive front, this this whole Saints roster is talented. Drew Brees, if he can turn back the clock a couple of years, this this is one of the best rosters in football. On defense, their only weakness is linebacker two, so. If they are able to get pressure on Rodgers and force him not to make mistakes because Rodgers is the best quarterback in the history of football at taking care of the ball, if, but if they can force him to have to throw the ball away or make inaccurate throws, that's what's going to be the difference here. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I think if the Packers were to lose, it would be because of the Saints offense controlling the line of scrimmage. Uh, if Kenny Clark doesn't go and, and Billy Wynn doesn't have to get a ton of snaps or if Lancaster has to get more snaps than usual – and that interior offensive line, Cesar Ruiz and Andres Pete, if they can get things going for Kamara and Latavius Murray, I think that's going to help New Orleans. Uh, and I think that can get the, and help propel them enough to, on the other side, control the clock for them and let Peyton be, be, be more creative like we've seen now for 15 years. But I, I, I still just don't really see it. So, Gage, what, what's the betting line for this game? And, and let's talk about what, what to look at. Betting line has largely not moved since Monday night. It is, it is New Orleans favored by three, for those of you that don't bet. That roughly means that Vegas thinks that on a neutral site, this game would be a pick em. Uh, You can pick uh, whoever you want here. Uh, the over-under is set at 53. So they're expecting some points to be scored here. 
Uh, I think that Green Bay should be the favorite in this game. Green Bay, I understand that Green Bay is beaten up on two bad teams through two weeks, but they've looked damn good doing it. At the end of the day, the wins still go on your rec- on your books the same, and and Green Bay won both games pretty handily, had no problem winning either game. So uh, I'm a big fan of taking uh, Aaron Rodgers anytime he gets points, like anytime he's an underdog. Uh, I love uh, Green Bay on the money line this week. I just put a bet down for it a little bit ago. Um, I think the over does hit because I think that uh, New Orleans was able to move the ball a little bit last week. Green Bay is able to run up some points here just because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. He, he ran uh, – let's, let's put it this way. Even without Devontae Adams last week, Green Bay still scored a ton of points. So I'm going to go ahead and take the over, and I'm going to take Green Bay to cover. And if you are a betting person, sprinkle something on the money line. Uh, I really think that Green Bay's got a chance to win this game on the road and hand New Orleans their first loss with uh, Sean Payton and Drew Brees on Sunday Night Football when they're playing at home. Yeah, I'm with you. I, 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 I'd take Green Bay outright to win. Uh, I think the over hits pretty easily. That seems a kind of a small over for two offensive teams. But I, I, I'm with you on that way. So as we start to wrap things up, uh, fairly your episode, of course, you guys are getting ready for the game. You're going to be watching a lot of games today, maybe checking out those NFC North games. Gage, what's your final prediction for the game? How's it going to be? Green Bay is going to win. Uh, I'm pretty confident about that statement. Um, the final score, I'm picking Green Bay to win probably like, probably like 34 to 20, 28 or so, 34, 25, somewhere in that. I think, I think New Orleans is going to have a weird score. I think that they're going to get stopped in the red zone a couple of times, have to kick some field goals. But I think the Green Bay can move the ball really effectively. Uh, this New Orleans defense is good, like I said, talented from front to back, uh, deep at a lot of spots. But I think the Green Bay is able to move the ball just because Aaron Rodgers has looked real, real sharp through two weeks. Uh, like there was that story that came out right before the season started. He found something from 20, what was it, 2011 that he's starting to, 2010, 2011 that he's starting to do again. And whatever it is, it's working because he looks he looks real sharp. So I'm picking Green Bay to win probably and easily cover. So if they were three-point favorites, I think that they would even cover that line. So that's that's my prediction here. Yeah, I'm going to go Green Bay by 8. I'm going to go 34-26. I, I'm, like, I'm with you. I think New Orleans is going to get stalled in the red zone a few times without Michael Thomas. And I, I think they're going to have to rely on a few field goals. So I think, really, it's going to be an 8-point game, one-position game. And and unlike Atlanta, Green Bay it knows how to do with an onside kick with Matt LaFleur's coach. So I think I think the Packers will take it by 8, get to 3-0, and continue to move forward. And I've said it all offseason and now going into this week, how beneficial it is to deal with the no-fans thing with Minnesota-New Orleans this early in the season. If this was in November, we'd probably be singing a different tune if there's fans in the stands in New Orleans because that, that is such a daunting place to play when there's a full crowd. It is, and Most reports I've talked to say it's arguably the most overwhelming place to be in inside when the fans are going crazy and New Orleans is a good team. But with that being said, we both got the Packers winning. Let's start to wrap things up, Gage. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at GBridgefordNFL, as always. Um, I will be live tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Central Time uh, from 10 a.m. to 10.45 over at Game on Wisconsin on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, YouTube uh, with uh, our usual Saturday friend, Tyler Grezegorg. Um He will be there with me. Um, giving fantasy advice all morning. Uh, I'll be giving fantasy advice from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. on my Twitter. That's Eastern time, so uh, 8 a.m. to noon Central. 
Um, and I generally have one to two articles coming out every single day right now, Monday through Friday. Um, pretty, I'm staying pretty busy, pretty occupied this football season between that, and I'm still doing some basketball stuff as well. So if you follow my Twitter, you will find content from me pretty much every day. All right, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland with all one word. Uh, you can find me broadcasting high school sports throughout the week as well. I have actually four games next week uh, covering Central Wisconsin on Zaleski Sports, so stay tuned for that. Uh, it's been great to have high school football back in Wisconsin, so I've, I had some fun with that Friday night. And, of course, follow us wherever you can find your podcast and on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. Also, follow the Packaday YouTube page. Andy Herman's doing great stuff there, breaking down all the all his thoughts and news every single day as we will bring you the greatest Packers content every single day without fail. So for that being said, for Gage Bridgeford, this is Mike Wellman saying so long for now, everyone. It is game day. Enjoy the game. Everyone stay safe. Always carry the G. And go Pack Go. class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.